The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Debenport. This is Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Debenport. This is a show that invites different new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise so that you can dive deep into spiritual topics and discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. The guests on this show come for several weeks in a row because they have a body of work that we want to discuss. They're not just one-time guests. Sometimes it's specifically about unity teaching. Sometimes it's more general spiritual practice. This is our fourth and last week with the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck, who has said so many interesting things in this series. I need to go back and listen to him and take notes. Uh, If you're a minister listening, there are lots of talk topics in what we've been talking about, uh, whether you agree with Paul or not on various things. But I've really been looking forward to today because we're talking about the metaphysics of manifestation. And it's one of those places where I think you and I may see it differently. Oh, won't that be fun? Yeah. So I should have started by saying, welcome back to the show, Paul. Yeah, I'm I'm (laughs) delighted. I am a little sad that this is coming to a close. I know. It's been really fun. So we started out talking about Absolute Fillmore. Paul knows everything that's been published from Fillmore, but he's also been through a lot of the unpublished material. And there are a lot of places where Fillmore wrote about oneness uh, in ways that, in language that we're trying to use today. Now, he also wrote lots of other ways, God the Father. Yeah, and you still have to know how Fillmore defined those terms. Yes. We, When we read Father in the writings, we put in our traditional understanding of the word. And many people don't know that in a lot of places, Fillmore said the word father was Jesus' word for what we would call Christ today. And then that is a jargon term because we think Jesus or something similar mm-hmm. or something vague in a unity sense when what Fillmore meant was the idea in the mind idea manifestation law. And so it's, he called it the idea that contains ideas. So if we don't know how Charles used words, we're a train wreck understanding him. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel reading Fillmore. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Paul has given me a little chart of how Fillmore defined words, but he's kind of all over the map on some of these things. Well, what we have to know is that um, – Charles didn't only speak in terms of the absolute. Mm-hmm. There are lots of places where we would say uh, in, in my language that he's in vessel consciousness. You know, Christ in you is a vessel consciousness phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, there is places where Charles is encouraging a more victor consciousness that we're, we, we, we show up that way. And as I've said before – there's some very small places where it seems like Charles is in a victim consciousness mode. 
And he's speaking extemporaneously mostly for these talks that have been converted into books. So uh, it's no wonder it's all over the place. And I got to think – so the, the best interpretation is Charles was trying to meet his listeners where he thought they were at. And people are in all four levels of consciousness one time or another. When a person's in victim consciousness, they need a, a type of savior God in a way. I wonder if it was that clear in Charles's mind. I don't know. And the, and I ask because it's been so jumbled in my mind yep. uh, for so many years. And I bounce around from one to another, too. And it's not because I'm carefully trying to meet people where they are. It's because I am flailing to put ideas into words okay. that really are ineffable. And I think especially as mystical as Charles was, yep. <clears throat> words probably failed him more often than not. I, I I wonder about that, and and there were there are a couple places I remember reading that I wished I saved that quote, mm-hmm. and and one was he was going on about something in one of his talks, and then he does one of those par- parenthetical things right in the middle of a paragraph where he says, "I wonder why I u- use this term God because people don't know what I mean." Uh huh. And then he goes on. Yeah. I would have. I wish I knew where that was. Yes. Because that's a classic quote. And I wish he'd said more about it. Yes, right. <laughs> well, he does say a lot about it in the ways in which he defines God. Mm-hmm. And um, often he doesn't stop to define what God is to him uh, when he was speaking. Sometimes he did. Sometimes he didn't. And so, th- so, the, the, so this whole series we've been doing really – uh, has been based upon Paul Hasselbeck's opinions about <laughs> Charles. Yeah. And um, I totally own that. And uh, well backed up by material found in the writings. And we we got to be really clear that – so it wasn't just the first show about the absolute – Every one of these shows have an underlying fundamental layer of the absolute. If it, if it weren't there, we couldn't be talk – well, the 12 powers are absolute in their, in their uh, fundamental state, for example, which we did last week. Prayer depends on the divine. So it's, it's always there. Right. Yeah. So the whole series has been Absolute Fillmore. Yep. That was the title of the first week. And then we did prayer and then we did the 12 powers. Uh, So today is the metaphysics of manifestation. Yep. At the end of last week's show, I said, so this is when we get what we want, right? (laughs) And you gave me that look that says – you're wrong and I pity you, but I'll explain it later. <laughs> oh, can I say all that in one look? <laughs> yes. yes, you can. <laughs> so um, you're right. And and the piece that gets that look is um, we don't always get what we think we want. We We get what the desire is in our hearts. True. And um, getting what we want is misinterpreted. If I say the right words um, enough number of times, the Mercedes Benz is going to show up in my driveway or I'm going to get the right boyfriend or I'm going to overcome lack. Or So, so the, the thing I 
don't like about it. It's such a simplification of um, – I don't want to say of the process because the process is really simple once we understand it. Um, but we got to first understand it. Do you think a lot of people see it that simply, that if I just affirm I have a great boyfriend, someone will show up? <sighs> that, that sigh was intentional. As I travel around the country, I would say at least 50 percent. Really? Yes. And, and you know what words come up. But the secret says – no. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> so listeners, um, if this is news to you, the secret is a very oversimplified version of one of the is it a law or a principle? Law, of, the law of attraction. Um, so, so please let us go deeper than that. Yes. So it, the law of attraction is a law of mind, mm -hmm. it, and the laws of mind do not pertain to the outer realm. They don't work the same if they even work in the outer realm, and that's where the mistake happens. When I hold a thought in mind with feeling, I, quote, unquote, attract more thoughts and feelings of the same kind in my mind. However, those thoughts and feelings are already there. But maybe we're unconscious of them, the ones we attract. Okay, so we're not attracting them from each other. And I don't sit here and hold a thought and then somehow it leaps from my mind to yours. Yeah, yeah good. And <laughs> and we're grateful in some ways, right? Yes. And there's only one mind. Right. So so we we can be collecting from the collecting the collective mind however by my understanding it is omnipresent and it is totally present somehow at the point of my self and yourself okay so let's go back to the process because if it's not simply affirming i am prosperous i am prosperous 200 times a day which a lot of us were taught to do yeah what is the process so first of all the process for me includes clarity on what one desires. So desire is the principle of, of love and it's important to us that we understand and use um, – actually use the principles of understanding and wisdom in the process of deciding what we desire. So there, there is that. That's very important. Um, another misunderstanding and something that has not been taught well is that – we have a hyper-focus on our infinite potential that we're free and unlimited and therefore we've developed an allergy to limitation when there is a very specific law that speaks to the importance of limitation called the law of expression. And I brought a quote from Charles. We must learn the law of expression from the abstract to the concrete, from the formless to the form. The way we go from an abstract idea or concept to a more concrete idea related to it is to limit that abstract idea. Same thing. The, the, the divine ideas, the principles uh, are abstract and formless and we must limit them in some way to give them more form in mind 
before we can actually manifest them in the outer realm. And the power we use to, to shape ideas is the power of imagination. Mm-hmm. And so um, we use our imagination to limit an abstract idea to a more concrete idea in our minds. Okay, so that's why no matter how much I affirm I am a tiny ballerina, it's just not going to be the case. Well, so you could you this. Here's the deal. In the inner realm of Ellen, you can be the tiniest most magnificent ballerina in your imagination. You can be that. However, once we cross that um line from our um, our minds into the outer realm, there, there are limitations of the outer realm that apply. What if I'm affirming I want a silver Mercedes? I'm taking the abstract idea of a car, yep. transportation, and putting it, limiting it to a specific form. Okay. And you're seeing it in your mind's eye. Right. As a silver Mercedes-Benz. And I feel wonderful when I and, think about having one. And, and so I add a third dimension to this now. So you're thinking it, you're feeling it. And because science is now saying our, our thinking, feeling natures of consciousness are not separate from our bodies, then in a way, we have to, we have to embody the concept. And, and, and that's a dimension that we've not talked about very well. Uh, the one person who really started to put me onto that was Linda Martella Witsit in her Divine Audacity book. So, so that's an important piece. Now, if we're holding the thought in mind with feeling and embodying it of a silver Mercedes Benz, then we are probably attracting in our own minds thoughts and ideas of how to obtain that Mercedes Benz. Mm-hmm. And those ideas must be acted upon. And that's the piece that gets left out. So, so uh, while Charles said mind idea manifestation, in my understanding, it's really mind idea expression in consciousness, then action must occur to have manifestation. Some action must be taken. Doesn't that go without saying, though, that I'm going to go online and look at CarMax and see if they've got any silver Mercedes, that kind of action? So there's people who just think if you think it, it will happen and someone will gift it to them or stuff like that. So that's why I always stop and look at it and have the students look at it that there are these intermediary things that must happen. And I think it sometimes works in reverse where we leap into action without conditioning our consciousness for what we really want it to be. Yes, there, there is that too. And even that leap must include mind idea expression in order to make the leap. It's, right. it's just – so in, in that case um, – we're not consciously probably using mind, idea, expression, or manifestation, and we certainly haven't engaged the powers of wisdom and understanding in the process. You know, Unity's on social media, and every time we 
post a prayer. Say there's been some news event, and so we post a little prayer. Usually Linda Martella Whitsett writes it. Uh, there's always some furious comment about prayer is not enough. You have to take action. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not arguing that, but prayer, the consciousness, is an important piece that I think gets overlooked a lot by people who just want to go out and march against something. Yes. Yeah, so part of that – part of that is they're not seeing unity as the organization that provides the prayer and it's our constituents that provide the action. Mm-hmm. And so so there's that. And so if I ruled the world <laughs> – Yes. Fortunately for everyone, I only rule my own consciousness, uh-huh. right? So – it might be useful to um, so when when we're when we're putting out a prayer like that, that we're also maybe taking a sort of like a social action stand, and that in conjunction with the prayer, we have a social social action person that says, "This is the prayer," and the and these are some of the ways you reader can take action. Yeah, we can do that. I just. Well, I was dismissive. Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> this is what I love about working with you. I just expect people to understand that we're not saying prayer is all you do. Yep. Yeah, so in a perfect world, that is what would happen. But we've got to be specific. We have to lead them. Well, and so I would more often argue don't leap into action until you have prayed. That has to be there. Yes. You know, read this, read this prayer, feel this prayer, embody this prayer, and engage your your desire, your love, your wisdom, your evaluator, your your knowledge, your your understander, and engage those so that you are being most effective in your action in this world. That's what's important. But if we don't ever teach them that part or we don't really talk about that part, we're leaving them flailing. So if you're listening live and would like to join this conversation, we're on January 29th. The number is 816-251-3555, and we love callers. So just a comment or a question, feel free to call us while we're on the air. Yeah, let's dance. So let's go back to the silver Mercedes. Okay. So I've decided that's what I really, really want. And as I'm driving around in whatever I have now, I start to see Mercedes everywhere and silver Mercedes Yeah. more often than I have in the past. I tend to think I really am attracting them into my experience. Yeah. You would say I'm just noticing them, but they've always been there. Yes. And so so there's a, a psychological term for that. And it's escaping my mind right now. It's um, cognitive bias. We we tend to see the things in the outer world based on our desires. And so that is how we go about fulfilling our desires. And so <laughs> certainly, certainly you don't believe, I hope, that when you think silver Mercedes – God or the universe are, is putting more of them there for you to see. Why not? Everything is is malleable. It's in the eye of the observer. 
Yeah, it's in the eye of the observer. There you go. It, uh, thing, experiments that are observed change. So that's on a quantum level. Yes. So you can't apply quantum to classical physics. Why not? It's all made of the same stuff. So, so you can't. So, it's, it's, I can't answer this other than it's just what physicists say. Is is at at the gro- the the laws of quantum do not apply to the gross level of classical physics, though there is a growing. A demonstration that it's not just quantum and just physical. There is a um, – it's just called a continuum. That's probably not a good word. But you can't expect quantum – you can't expect Mercedes Benzes to act in the same way as a scientist observing waves and particles. That observer effect – I mean if that's true, you could just look at your car and it would it would become the Mercedes Benz. If I'm not actually attracting more Mercedes Benz into my experience, what's the point of this affirmation and believing that I can manifest anything? So the point of the affirmation is to align your consciousness with that which you desire. And then it becomes uh, more and more apparent what you can think and say and do to obtain that thing. And so the seeing the Mercedes Benzes around is a confirmation that the affirmation is working. And by the way, as you do that affirmation, and I suspect you've noticed this, you will also chemicalize any thought in your consciousness that would oppose you getting that Mercedes-Benz. And that is evidence that the affirmation is working and those come into our awareness so we can neutralize or transform those thoughts. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. I'll give you an example. Can we get off the Mercedes-Benz? Yes. Okay. Just a concrete we, we, we can go. We, okay. We can go back to Mercedes-Benz. I think the better example – uh, at least for you and me, is when I began thinking, feeling, and embodying myself and affirming myself a unity minister, mm-hmm. what chemicalized was, who do you think you are? Yes. You're not worthy. Okay? If I listened to that internal voice, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I saw that as the opposing thoughts and beliefs that I was chemicalized, chemicalizing so that I could heal them, transform them, or, or whatever. I never thought of the inner critic as chemicalization. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's helpful. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. I thought chemicalization was physical. Oh, you know, oh. You get sick. Yeah. So, so that's an example uh, where we oversimplify the process mm-hmm. because physical is not separate from mental, emotional. That's what the science is showing us, True. right? Yes. And so, so we were taught that, but we never really thought into that. And so that's an example of how uh, repetition from one instructor to the next instructor to the next instructor – change the teaching. Yes. Yeah. And so that's why it's important to go back 
So Charles says something like, everything in the physical realm begins with thought. And so if you're having a physical something, there must be a, a correlating thought. And really, we would say today, a thought feeling. Mm-hmm. Okay? And while we're talking about this, we... I'll just say this. So I, I'm going to tell you how I teach it. I teach it differently now. Surprise. Is that we teach chemicalization as an individual thing. However... It happens to me as an individual. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but it, there is a social level to it as well. And um, so when people ask me, well, what's going around in the world today? What's happening um, I see all of the reaction to what's happening politically is a social chemicalization. And it's not coming up to say what's wrong. It's coming up for us to pull up our big boy and big girl pants and to deal with that stuff coming up. So, so instead of seeing a blank check that the the racism, the white supremacist stuff that came up is bad, which it is. Mm-hmm. It's coming up so we can do something about it. And that's a form of chemicalization? That's a, that's a collective chemicalization mm-hmm. is what I would call it. Wow. That's interesting. And so, our, so, so if it's a collective chemicalization, that means we've been affirming something and now the opposite is coming up. And so just think about this because you and I are of, of a similar – era. Uh, So from the 60s until the current uh, situation, there were a lot of us affirming love and peace and harmony and oneness. And so, so there is that collective thought going on and it must chemicalize anything unlike it in the collective consciousness. And so it's evidence, it's really evidence we've been doing the work. And now, how are we going to handle this stuff? Oh, I, that's a much better way to look at it. It certainly is. So we've been affirming all this great stuff. We must be getting close. Yes. If the shadow is fighting back. So exactly. Okay. Well, let's take a break. Okay. It's a good place for everyone to take a breath. <laughs> it is. Um, this is Ellen Devonport. I'm here with Paul Hasselbeck. And we'll be back after these messages with more from Voices of Unity. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Blair Tabor from Unity San Diego taken from a talk called Sacred Service, The Ultimate Spiritual Growth. 
who we are and who we perceive ourselves to be as human beings is just such a small part of who we are as spiritual beings. You remember the phrase that I like, you know, Emily Cady says, God did not make you to be spiritual pygmies, but spiritual giants. You know, and do we live as if we're spiritual giants? No, we don't. We live, we live as if we're you know, weak human beings. You know, we're spiritual giants. We need to live that way in our lives. So we have to let go of the ego. It's a challenge because we spent so much energy and focus on, on our ego, on dressing a certain way and talking a certain way and looking a certain way and, and aligning ourselves in certain ways to, to uphold that ego identity. But as we're willing to let that go, let it be permeable to spirit, then what we find is we're connected to that infinite oneness that is God. To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. Every summer, Unity hosts an international convention, and you're invited. It's not just for ministers or members of Unity Churches, but for anyone who could use a week of inspiration and connecting with others interested in spirituality. The Unity People's Convention will be in the Kansas City area the week of June 17th. Register online at unityworldwideministries.org slash registration. Sign up today and take advantage of the early bird discount through February. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. Recovery from addiction can be a lonely experience. Get help and support with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, Reverend Dan Beckett, and Spirit of Recovery every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Welcome to a place where spirituality and recovery meet. Each week you'll hear stories and topics that are important to the recovery community. Tune in for some lively conversation and join in with your questions and comments. Nearly 21 million people struggle with addiction in America. Reach out and join us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Debenport. Hey, this is Ellen Debenport. We're back with Voices of Unity. I'm here with Paul Hasselbeck. We're talking about manifestation Boy, does he define it differently than I thought. <laughs> Are you surprised? <laughs> I, not at all, but I, I have, I'd like to get to a little more practical application. We were kind of all over the map in the first half, which yeah. was interesting. Yeah. But I still want to know how to get what I want. So we were talking about manifestation, though. Yes, we Because were. chemicalization is a form of manifestation. Right. We've got to be really clear and, about it. And we were talking about chemicalization as a societal yeah. things. Yeah. So it's so easy to look at something like white supremacy raising its head and think, oh, we failed. Right. All this love and oneness we've been preaching since the 60s was useless. We haven't made any progress. Yeah. And so I really like your idea of saying, no, that's exactly the evidence that we're making progress. Right. And so, so what happens when we're interpreting it in the limited form that there's something going Wrong. wrong what we do as a knee jerk is turn our love down let's put it we turn it down yes. okay if if we can really own my point of view 
at the very moment we would have turned our love down, we now turn it up. You're telling me to love white supremacists? I'm I'm telling us to love love the divine in the white supremacists okay. and then take whatever action to deal with them based on our divinity. So this is this yeah. is seeing the divine in everyone is should always be the starting point. Right. That doesn't mean that we do not take action for how they're showing up uh, as a relative expression. Yes. So we know the the divine in criminals, and we send them to prison. Yes. When it seems necessary. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So in the beginning. <laughs> So, so let me ask you this: the law of attraction and the law of mind action. Do you think they're the same? Uh, Myrtle talked about them that way. Uh, the 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 law of attraction, its name, forget what secret did with it, is vague. And you know my favorite saying: what happens in vagueness stays in vagueness. So we don't really know. The law of attraction says something, but we don't really know how to apply it. But if we say the law of attraction is thoughts held in mind attract more thoughts and feelings of the same kind in mind, now we have something more more precise and more actionable. I don't want to attract more thoughts. I want to attract stuff. Okay, so you can't attract stuff without working your mind. Without mind idea expression, you just can't do it. True. Okay, so that that's why it's important. I don't need to know spiritual principles for to do that. I mean, you think you don't. I think I don't. I mean, for instance, if I don't know anything about spiritual principles, but I decide I want the car or whatever, I'll start thinking more about it and I'll start investigating ways to get it. You are absolutely correct. And all the while you're doing that, you're using at the very least the principle of love because that's your ability to desire mm-hmm. and to harmonize your thoughts and unify your thoughts around the concept of getting the silver Mercedes Benz. So the, the reason why knowing the principles uh, is so important is because then we can we'll, – right now, from what you said, I don't believe this about you, but your example is you're, you're using the principles unconsciously. Everyone is. Everyone is. So once we become aware of the principles, we can start using them consciously. Mm-hmm. And the primary purpose of that is for us to um, upgrade our consciousness. That's the primary use for them. However, we have to use them in the outer realm too. We have to use them in our mind in order to, to manifest and get what we want in the outer realm. So what's going on when we hear stories about what seem to be miraculous manifestations? You know, I was thinking about a boyfriend and I met this guy. Yeah. Um, so they weren't only th- so so if they didn't really so when they're when they when this woman met this guy her desire is for a relationship. Obviously she's heterosexual, so she's looking for a heterosexual male. So she's measuring 
consciously and unconsciously every male as a possible con- candidate for a relationship. But the one who shows up is meets exactly all the qualities she had put on her list, you know, to work this flaw. Yeah, and you know what? What? Poor thing. She didn't make her fatal flaw list. And so she wasn't perceiving the fatal flaws. And then two or three years later, the fatal flaws get in the way of what was the perfect relationship. Now, that sounds like the trickster god. So it's not a trickster god. It's a trickster you as a, as a human being. See, I don't – look. So <laughs> this is me being my usual contrarian. Yeah. I do not date by the what I want method. Because the stuff I want in the person um, is never the problem. The problem is the stuff I don't want. And so as uni people, we're looking for what we want and all the good and blah, blah, blah. But we haven't invested the time in making the list of the fatal flaws. And so because of cognitive bias, we ignore the flaws that show up in a person. And if we have the – so – when, I, when I'm actively dating and I have my flaw list, so, so one of them is very mundane. Okay, a flaw list? I do. That's negative thinking, Paul. It's positive thinking. Oh? Oh. So I know I don't like a smoker. Okay. I know I don't want a drugger. Yeah. I know I don't want to date somebody who, owns, who currently owns a cat because I'm really allergic to cats. And so I don't want to form a relationship where I'm going to have to eventually invite that person to get rid of their cat. <laughs> Not only that, I can't even visit that person in their home. Wow. Okay. And so if a person shows up with a cat, I go, you know, I'm allergic to cats. And so instead of getting involved, I say, listen, Ellen, you're a really – wonderful woman from what I know of you now and you own cats Mm -hmm. and so I just choose not to date people with cats wow that's strict okay so 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 think of other things so how many relationships have have people got into and they wait to the very end to have the discussion about children and one wants a child and the one doesn't yes so a fatal flaw is I want children and you don't and so I need to know that early on. I also need to know whether you're up to debt, up to your ears. Yes. Okay. I'm kind of surprised you would make these lists, though. Why? Because they, they're they like the secret. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're not. I'm, I'm not trying to bring them into my life. I'm not doing blah, 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 blah. I'm just on the alert for those things. Just like when you – hopefully when you're looking for that Mercedes-Benz, you're going to have a mechanic look at it if it's not new and have a good look at it to see if there's any fatal flaws in that car. Yeah. Yeah, or or when you buy the house. So when you buy a house, do you not have it inspected? No, you have it inspected. Okay, so you have it inspected because there may be for what you you consider a fatal flaw. So you don't have anything against vision boards and – Vision boards, so for me, a vision board could be the first outer manifestation of your desire. Mm -hmm. They don't work magically. They work with your mind. You Every time you see that, you're reminded of your desire for that thing. And so it, it, 
it puts your affinity for what you desire on high notice. Let's put it that way. But magic, no. Okay. So I've done vision boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they're, they're an effective tool. So, it's, so think of it this way. So if I'm imagining a table, so, so the idea is vague of what a table is, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, a table is kind of an abstract idea. So I have to limit it in mind, in my mind first, to get really clear of what I want that table to look like. The first manifestation of that table might very well be my drawing it on a napkin. Mm-hmm. And then the next manifestation might be my going about to build it or giving that diagram for someone to build. And we're going to have to add dimensions and, and all of that. So it's just simply part of the process. That's not as exciting as, as manifesting – Things you thought you couldn't have, and I wanted some magic. I guess you do. We all we all want we all want the magical god, and we go through life being disappointed. Well, now a lot of us have attracted things that really delighted us, and that we said were even better than we'd imagined. Yes, because God had a better idea for you. <laughs> You're being sarcastic. I am. I wish I could see that face. <laughs> this or something higher. Okay, can, can you imagine Jesus? So here's Jesus, okay? He finally gets to Lazarus' tomb, okay? And he yells into the tomb, hey, dude, get up and walk or something higher and better for you. <laughs> Jesus was specific. Uh-huh. So you wouldn't do the this or something better? I don't do that. Well, the reason people do it is because they fear their imagination is limited. And there could be something better than they could think of. So that is true if that's what they were doing. But most of them are, uh, I want this, and God, if you have something better for me, show it to me. Okay, so whenever whenever I'm seeking something, whenever I'm desiring something, whenever I'm wanting something, I remain open if I see something better in the moment. So I have a really funny example of this. So when I first moved to Puerto Rico, I didn't have a car. So I was more in the magical thinking ways. And so uh, I began affirming an automobile. And what showed up was a bicycle. And when I saw the bicycle, I went, wow. I only have a mile to work, and the traffic here is horrible. For now, the bicycle is much better, so that's better. And I'm not saying that God gave me the bicycle or showed me the bicycle. It's just that I saw the bicycle differently. So, so it's a both and. So it's, it's desiring something without a rigid attachment to be a certain way. And so really the desire is more about – um, if we can, if we can find the concept behind it, it's going to work better for us. So, so the concept was transportation, right? Okay. So I was specific about what it was going to be, but I was open to what transportation might be. Isn't that what people mean when they say this or something better? It means I'm I'm releasing the outcome. I'm willing to see a different and way. So I'm going to invite you the next time someone says that, just just ask them, what do you mean by that? Because that's what I did. 
And that's mm-hmm. what I do. And often is God might have something better in mind. Yes. Okay. And that is a reference to an external God, usually, or an internal God that's separate that has a specific desire for you. So this is coming up a lot around unity with this generation. Uh, and I mean you and me and Linda Martellowitz mm-hmm. and others is we we don't want to think of God as an old man in the sky who's watching our lives and deciding what we deserve. Yep. And, and, and it's not that I don't like. It's that I finally – I'll say I finally woke up and I looked back over my life to see – where that God actually showed up for me. And it wasn't there. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. But let me tell you, the principles and laws, they're here. And they're unfailing. Even when I use them crappy, they don't fail. That's why you can desire something crappy and you can you can have that affinity for it and you can find it and you can have it and it'll disappoint you that the laws and principles don't care and that's god to you yes god is principle myrtle fillmore charles fillmore says god is the principle which contains principles but is it emily katie or myrtle fillmore who says by God is principle, we don't mean a cold, unfeeling God. God is also personal, which has also always really confused me. Oh, so that's great. So I, I talk about this in my heart-centered metaphysics book. And so I'm going to be like Charles here. I don't think people really get it. Mm-hmm. God, is, God is personal because I create a personal relationship with it, not that it's being personal to me. Think about the relationship you might form with your car or your home or a stuffed animal. The an- stuffed animal isn't forming a relationship with you. You are manifesting and creating a relationship with it. That is not how people want to think about God. Well, that that's fine, and I don't make them think about it any way than that, what they want to. I I encourage people. I tickle people. I try to influence people. To find this this version of God that is actually usable and user-friendly. It sounds really lonely, you know, that God is principle and I, I'm on my own with these principles and laws. And, and you always them. have been and you know that in your heart if you really look at it and now – what you're really doing is assuming the divinity that you've always been. Yeah. That's what you're doing. And I have to tell you that so going from one to the other is like being on a trapeze and letting go of one trape- trapeze and it can feel really lonely and crappy right. until you land on the other and do it for a while and see the wonderful powerful beingness you really are yes and and it's and that's what ultimately keeps you from being lonely and adrift yep is shifting your understanding of yourself yes yes Um, and like we said in the first show you're always having conversations with your 
ego self. Mm -hmm. So is your ego self real? Yeah. Yeah? It's part of me. Yeah, but does it exist as something separate and different from you? No. Okay, so you can you can I have I have conversation with principal all the time. Okay. That's how I came to understand what substance really is. Oh gosh, we'll get to that. But we have a caller. Oh, wonderful. So this is Jeff. Hey Jeff. Hey, this is Ellen. Paul and Ellen. Thanks for calling. Jeff in Chicago. I hope you're keeping yourself warm. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, you know, I have been I have been uh, visualizing warm weather, but it's still cold here. Yeah, and you will attract it in about four months. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, Paul. <laughs> However, you can and create I... and manifest an experience of warmth at the point of view. Yes, or I could go to the airport. <laughs> and leave, uh, yes. As you have suggested. Yes. Hey, um, I, I never uh, really thought about chemicalization like you were talking about the last half hour um, as this small inner voice of doubt as a, as a form of chemicalization. Well, hooray, I hope you start using that. Well, I am going to. I, it's it's been uh, it was great to hear that because, um, you know, I'm also on a ministerial path, and there is that voice of doubt that comes up, like you had said, Paul. I'm not worthy, and you know, who am I? Yeah. And I'm 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 in this. I'm teaching this class. I think I spoke to you about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Ellen, it's a membership class, and I'm, I'm teaching the five principles. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that that voice, because there's there's people who are so steeped in their spirituality and have studied, and and there I am up in front of them, telling teaching them, and it's 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 very challenging, and that voice comes up repeatedly. Yes, yeah, so it's um, it's really no shocking surprise that in the United States we have what I would call an epidemic of low self-esteem when we have our uh, revered elders known as ministers and priests teaching a theology that we're less than, we're stepchildren, uh, we're, we somehow fell from the grace of God and we have to fight our way back. Um, yeah, that the the Christian theology I learned and I was taught was all that I'm less than, and I'm not worthy, and the only way I'm going to be worthy is because Jesus Christ, who was literally the Son of God, died for your sins. Died for my sins and for my unworthiness. Yeah. And yeah. so it's no wonder we have it. However, it's, it's simply a belief, and every belief we can become aware of can be—, can be um, Eliminated or, uh, let's say, de-energized or transformed. Yeah. Yeah. And so so the really cool awareness I had recently along this line, Jeff, was – and it's an assumption I never really questioned but, but began noticing it. And that is I would see these young people get up on stage at 19 or on um, – America's Got Talent at 13, and they're on the stage where there's millions of people watching, and they have such poise. 
and and other people who are prominent. And I'm thinking, wow, they're fearless, blah, 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 blah. However, I'm learning a lot of them are really fearful and don't feel worthy, and they do it anyway. So yeah. it, goes, it goes back to that old Native American story, which wolf are you going to feed? Are you going to give attention and feed the wolf of fear and be paralyzed? Or are you going to feel the wolf of the wolf that we would identify with our divinity and feel empowered? And so we feel the fear and we do it anyway. And every minister I know had to, most of us felt a fear of getting in front of people to speak. Because yeah. who am I to and, get up there? And pontificate. Who am yes. I? Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I really think my digging into the, uh, the published and especially unpublished writings may be one of the unconscious benefits or a, a reasons for that was so I could make myself feel worthy of speaking something. And now I'm to the point, I'm more like Charles. Charles never gave anybody any credit. I still give Charles credit, but I'm really cool with standing up and saying, this is what I believe. I, I have no attachment whether you believe it or not, and I would hope that you would at least not reject it and try it on, take it for a spin on the, around the block with that silver Mercedes Benz and see if it works for you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thanks so much for calling. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Um, I had a teacher in school who really helped me with that. I brought it up in our speaking class, and he said – we're all on the same path. We're all on a spiritual path. You're just the one who volunteered to get up and talk about it this week. Yes. Oh, and that gave me all the permission I needed. Yes. To do the speaking. Yes. And so the really cool thing is what I want you to see is, so the person who said it you saw as an authority, mm-hmm. but still all they did was share some words with you. They were, they were making an attempt to influence you. They couldn't change your mind. You know, there's that, I think I said last week, a thought changed against its will of the sa- is of the same opinion still. So what I want to honor is you heard those words and you gave them power and importance and you used them to shift your way of being. That's how powerful you are and that's how powerful each of us is. Okay. Yeah. So he I- didn't do it to you. No. No, would be influenced, and I'm not doing it to the people listening. Either. Absolutely not. So, so in the serenity prayer, there's recognizing what you can change and what you cannot change. Mm-hmm. There is a third thing. I actually do an affirmative serenity prayer, and the third piece is being able to recognize where we can have an influence. Right. Yeah, and and that takes some wisdom because there's some situations where I wouldn't even try to influence. So we have about a minute and a half. Um, and before Jeff called, you had said you finally understood what substance is. Yeah. What so, is it? So Charles defined it in so many different ways. He called it an idea. He called it – in some ways he used substance like um, all the ideas. And so I was, I was just talking about substance and talking to substance. What are you and all that? And then I finally – Got it for me that substance is the idea of form and shape. 
it's an idea. It's an idea. So so you see how that really incorporated almost everything I said that Charles defined it? Yes. It all, by talking with it, what are you? You know, I've heard you this, I heard you that, what are you? And it just, and I found a quote to support it then. Isn't that kind of fun? So it, it's, you attracted a quote to I, support I, it. I had an affinity for the quote that <laughs> supported it. It was always there in the book. Well, true. I just couldn't see it. So substance is an idea. Is it the same as the ethers? So I don't know what to do with the ethers, and I'll tell you why I don't. Is because quantum physics is coming back to the idea. You know, science dropped it and come back. So I don't know what to do with the ethers at this point. It's it's a it's a it's a subject open to exploration. <laughs> okay. Paul, thank you so much for doing this series with me. You know we could go another four weeks. We could. Easily. So you'll have to come back sometime. Yes, yeah, so it's better to do me in small chunks. So you've had a small chunk of the Reverend Dr. Paul Hasselbeck. Next week I'm starting a new series about grief with Patricia Galino-Lansky, who is a minister in Charlottesville, Virginia. She's written a book about grief. So more on that with Voices of Unity. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.